Thank you for tuning in to the Our View podcast. On today's show, I welcome my guest, John Bramblett. John is a world-renowned artist whose paintings have sold in over 120 countries. John lives with epilepsy, and he is also blind. Please join us for our conversation. We hope you enjoy it. Thank you, thank you so much for for taking time to uh, you know speak with me today. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I'm looking I, forward to it, Arthur. Yeah, I definitely. I've been following you on Instagram for a while, and then I, I'm I'm slightly. I admit it. I'm slightly obsessed with Patty Labelle. Um, <laughs> I've I've met her a few times, and I have pictures with her, and she's always so nice to me. So I, oh, I keep, man. yeah. So I keep up to date with like when she's on TV and everything. And I saw um, that she was going to be on uh, uh, to tell the truth. Right? Is that mm-hmm. what it was? Yeah. And yes. Um, yeah. So and as soon as I saw you, I said, "Wait, I know him." <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So that's how I ended up seeing you on the. Um, on the show a couple of weeks ago. And I said, Oh my goodness. I was like, I, and, and during this quarantine, I was trying to think of ways to be more creative. And that's when mm-hmm. I uh, created the the shirts and, and things like that to, uh, for with my logo and everything. And then I was thinking of doing a podcast. Um, so I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to reach out to him and see if he'll be on uh, a guest on the podcast. <laughs> man, that's awesome. Well, you know, it, yeah. and, that's, um, and that's, and that's just one more reason that, that Patty LaBelle is awesome. She brought us together. So that's yes, cool. <laughs> she did. Yes, yes. So I, I really, um, uh, of course, ad- admire all of all of your work. And um, oh, thank you. I'm just so so impressed. And I, I started the podcast because, as I mentioned, I was um, I was born with spina bifida. I'll be 39. I wasn't expected to live past the age of 15. Um, and then. I would say 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I uh, started this company, the Our View Company, just because I wanted to um, share my story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've done that in, in multiple ways through schools. And uh, I work with local uh, grocery stores to help them become more accessible to uh, patrons who have disabilities, helping them. Oh, awesome. Uh, yeah, helping them with understanding disabilities a little bit better and uh, hiring people with disabilities and what they need to know about that, uh, about that part and everything. And, um, this, this year, because of, uh, you know, the whole sheltering in place and all of that, uh, it really hit me that like, you know, it's time for me to really share our view, other people's stories of living with disabilities. I have one disability and I have to respond and, and, um, you know, react in the world in a certain way, and other people have other disabilities where they have to respond and do things differently than I do. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I really want to uh, branch out this year and, um, you know, share other people's stories and, um, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that people know uh, one of my goals with creating Our View is to change the tone of conversation about disabilities. Mm. Um, because I, you always, I'd like to say you always hear about the negative. They can't see, they can't walk, they can't hear, but you know, you have someone like yourself with a visual impairment who does amazing artwork. (laughs) Thank you. And, and, you know, and it's just to, um, 
you know, to, to expand that and let people know that you're out there, uh, you know, doing, doing such, uh, such great things and great work, I think is very, uh, very important for people uh, to hear uh, those stories for, uh, of those who have disabilities. So that's, uh, that's mm -hmm. my little, that's my little rundown of, of my situation. And, well, and that's brilliant. Arthur, man, that's, that is yeah. brilliant. That is so cool. And it, it is needed. It's such an important, you know, to, to have a voice out there, you know, because a lot of people, they, they, they want to, they want to understand, but maybe they don't know what questions to ask, you know, yes. and, and, and some people don't know what they don't, you know, of course you don't know what you don't know. So it's, it's right. great to be able to have that information <laughs> out there and, and in front of people. And, you know, that's, that's one thing that I noticed like with my, um, with, 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 with my blindness and I have ep epilepsy, um, at first, like whenever I was doing art, I didn't want to be thought of as a blind painter, but then right. I started working with charities and nonprofits. And I, I realized, you know, every time it was, I had an orientation mobility instructor, she's one of the people that, that, that teaches you how to use a white cane and then later, you know, a guide dog or whatnot. Uh -huh. But, um, she was saying when you walk down the street, you know, she, she always, she always made me have, have, have to hold my head, head up. And even when I was sighted, I would, I would walk with my head down, you know, I don't know why, but I would just, you know, look at the ground in front of me. She's yeah. like, oh, no, no, you're not, you're not just walking for yourself now. You're walking for everybody that's a visual impairment, anybody that has a disability. When you're out in public, you know, make sure that you're dressed, you know, you know okay. You know, I mean, you know, you don't have to, like, put on a three-piece suit or anything. Right. Like, you know, but, but, you know, just, just look presentable because when you're out there, you're also a voice for the community. And, and I thought, I thought, dang, that's, that's, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but it, it's, and at the same time, it is, it's true because there, sadly, there are so many stereotypes about people with disabilities and, yeah. you know, and sadly, <laughs> one of them is they don't take care of themselves. So it's like, you know, it is important to dress, you know, uh, to dress well and like you said not in the three-piece suit all the time but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny because like if if somebody can see somebody you know if, if somebody with a disability can see another person following their dream you know trying trying at least you know go out there you know trying then it, it helps you know and you yeah. being a voice for the community is extremely important um so can you just uh you know, to start the interview, I, I always like my guests to introduce themselves and what would you like the uh, listeners to know about you? Um, well, probably the most important thing, I'm smarter than I sound, I hope. <laughs> no. let's, let's at least hope that. No, my, my, my name is John Bramblett and I'm a painter and um, I've been painting professionally for years and probably the thing that makes me different than most other professional painters is that I'm blind. I lost my eyesight in college, and um, and then I, I thought my whole I, I love to draw all my life, and I thought all that was over, and I completely I had no idea that I would ever be able to get back into artwork, but it took lo losing my eyesight to really understand what art really was. You know, it's not yeah it's not something in your eyes, and it's not something in your hands or any of that. It's it's in your heart, it's in your mind, it's ideas. Art is just communication. That's all it is. And it's all about what you can do. So you find ways to be able to do it. You know, you find your own ways. And um, so art became a very positive kind of thing for me. I, I was so angry and depressed. I needed some way out of it. And art, you know, it, it, was, it was like that rope that I needed to be able to climb out of it. And, you know, and um, art's a great thing to do. You know, it's a great activity on a day when you're having a terrible day. And it's a great way to celebrate a good day. So a bad yes. day, good day. 
it's a good day yeah. for art. I, I know <laughs> that. I'm, and, and I oh, also, I tend to ramble on a lot. I get really excited about disability awareness. <laughs> you're really excited about art so arthur you got to be able to you gotta, you gotta feel okay saying hey john shut up for a bit <laughs> i want to talk <laughs> please, i love please, well, well i just love your energy and your enthusiasm about about the art and i love that you know like you said it's a good day for art every day you know whether you're having a great day or a not so great day that's really uh so important and and the other thing you said was it's um you know, art is, is not about what you see. It's like, it's a feeling, it's what you feel. And, and, you know, it's in, in you, I think is what the important thing is to, uh, oh, you're to so mention. Right. Oh my goodness. Yes. You know, this last weekend I was doing a conference and it was a virtual conference because of all this going on. Uh -huh. But, um, one of the people that I was doing it with her, her name is Grace Fisher and she's, she's a painter and she, she's a quite, quite a prolegic. And she paints by by um, putting the paintbrush in her mouth and by and by painting, you know, by moving her mouth, does this incredible artwork. Wow. Um, you know, and the other people at the conference, like Eric, Eric Weineheimer, which I know I'm mispronouncing his last name. I always do. I love Eric. He's so great. I've known him for years, or you've done different things with him for years. But he's the first blind guy to scale Mount Everest. You know, you oh, yeah. see these different people, and they have different ideas of art. Like his idea of art is to go kayaking in the Grand Canyon and to climb mountains and to express his, himself through that. Grace's is through painting. Mine happens to be through painting. And, you know, and, and it's, I, I, you know, I, I, I was giving a talk at the Metropolitan in New York once. It was the first time I ever gave a talk there. And I was showing some of my artwork. And I thought I had this bright idea. I thought, hey, I want to talk about other artists with disabilities throughout the ages. And I thought it'd be such an easy thing, you know, or, because yeah. <laughs> I could probably find maybe a couple, you know, maybe, and I would just mention them. I quickly learned that it would be much easier to talk about artists that didn't have a disability. There, there were famous artists in the past. Right. It, it was just hidden. <laughs> it was just hidden. Like so many people who had disabilities painted and they did artwork and sculpture, but it makes sense. Art, art is about communicating and who has more to say than, than the people who have been through things, who have, you know, had, had to struggle or have had a challenge in their life. So, yeah, so it's a way to express themselves. Yeah. Yes. So it's so funny, but if you look into uh, old master painters, most of them had a disability. Most of them had something going on in their life, but it was yeah. just hidden because you couldn't talk about it in the past. Right. We yeah. You, thank goodness. <laughs> yes. And that is, and that's exactly what, um, you know, what I had said to you before, that's what I want people to know. Like people with disabilities, we have stories to tell and, you know, and, and it's just our, you know, the challenges that we face, Every everybody faces a challenge at some point in their life, you know, whether yeah. it's a disability or something else, but it's, it's the way you respond to it. And, um, you know, that, that's what I really want to uh, touch on next uh, with your story. So you, you lost your eyesight in college, you said, um, was that a result of um, a, a condition that you had, a diagnosis that you had before, or uh, what what caused your uh, blindness? You know, um, I was born with ep epilepsy, and it was severe epilepsy. And then I was born with some neurological problems. I had, had had kidney problems, had a kidney removed by the time I was seven, and was just having severe seizures that just kept getting worse. Um, and then I ended up getting Lyme's disease probably when I was around like 12, 13, but it, it was undiagnosed for years. Because my, my neurologists, they weren't looking for anything new, you know, I mean, because I had I already had epilepsy. And, you know, so they weren't, you know, they figured it was probably some weird kind of thing happening with that. Mm 
<laughs> so the Lyme disease just went undiagnosed for years and it's causing more damage and more problems. And the treatment, either for the severe seizures I was having, because I was on every cocktail of drugs you can imagine to try to, to stop the seizures. And, um, and then finally treatment for the Lyme disease, which had progressed. Either one of those two things together or both of them together, it, it was, I started having seizures, um, status epilepticus, where I was having these seizures that I wasn't coming out of. And, um, you know, most of the time when you have a seizure, you have a seizure, then, then you go postictal and then you're fine. You know, you feel really worn out and you're like, holy crap, what just happened? <laughs> you know, but, wow. but you're fine. Um, and then, um, but then I was having these where my, my breathing would start, stop and my heart would stop and and that's apparently really bad for you. <laughs> it's really bad yeah. for your brain. Even even my brain, <laughs> you know, you don't want that to happen. And so it was causing this damage to my occipital lobe where, where vision is in my hearing. And um, so it, I was losing my vision a little bit each time, but we didn't see it as a vision problem. We saw it as, as, as a problem with the seizures, with the epilepsy. And um, finally, though, you know, well, I was having the seizures and finally in college, I had a series of them where it, like my vision, um, I think in April of 2001 was measured at 20 over 400, which is like twice over the legal limit for blindness. And then it was like, and then like a month later it was 20 over 800. And then by the end of the summer, they couldn't measure it anymore. Like it was just gone. Um, uh, but I was fortunate, you know, I didn't feel fortunate at the time. I feel like somebody punched me in the stomach, you know, it was like, Right. Because, you know, when, when my when my low vision specialist, the doctor who deals with people with, with visual impairment said, you know, you're blind. It's not going to get any better. You know, it's going to get worse. You know, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. I really thought they'd have like a magic pill or something, you know, like some sort yeah. of, you know, like, well, you know, if you take a Tylenol, you know, you just you call us in the morning and you're going to be fine. Right. I, mean, I knew it was bad. But I didn't think it was that bad. You know, I didn't think it was just so. Um. But I was fortunate in that I was a student at a university and mm -hmm. the practice at the time, at least, was that if you were, if you were all already enrolled in university, they wanted to keep you there. So instead of going to the school for the blind or instead of having to go to all these different places, right? Um, the programs kind of helped keep me there. And my Office of Disability Accommodations at my university were amazing. Just the best people. That's great. They're so Oh my goodness. And it's not that way everywhere. So right. I always tell people if you're they might go to college, go 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 and check out the ODA office first and make sure they're proactive and they know what they're doing and, and all that. And mine was so I started learning how to use a white cane. I started learning um I was still going to classes. I would somebody would bring take me to classes even before I could use a white cane. I was learning Braille, I was learning how to use the screen readers for the uh, computers and things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um everything, you know, learning all this stuff. And so I was doing everything right, but on the inside, I was so angry. I didn't even realize, because I thought I was doing everything I was supposed to, but I was so depressed. I was so angry. Yeah. And uh, it was just, you know, it was not a happy time. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even realize how angry I was, to, to, to tell you the truth. I, you know. Yeah, and it's a big thing because, um, like for me, I was, I was born with my disability, so I know no other way. I, mm -hmm. you know, all I know is the crutches and the braces and the wheelchair. Um, I've recently in the last few years, I've had, uh, family friends who have had to have, um, you know, legs amputated, uh, for, for different reasons. And, um, you know, and they were in their sixties and, uh, seventies. 
So, you know, and, and they were saying to me, like, oh, I, I try to keep my, a positive attitude because, you know, I look at you and I said, well, you can't compare yourself to me. Like, you mm -hmm. had your legs for all of your life. Like, I've never had full use of my legs. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a loss that you experienced because you were able, you, you had vision until, you know, you said it was gradually, uh, you know, getting less and less, but you, you had vision until, you know, until that time. So it, it's definitely mm -hmm. a loss that you experienced. So anger and, and sadness and, and depression, I think is very, uh, a re are realistic emotions to have around those, uh, around that loss. You know, you know, it really is. And, but you feel, you feel like you're the only person, I mean, you, you know that other people are going through things and, and all that, you know that in your mind, but you also feel very isolated and alone. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just, you know, it's, you feel bad. <laughs> you feel really yeah, bad. And, you and, do. And, and, you know, and, 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 and me, like, I, I, I did the math in my head, and I, I couldn't see any way that my life would ever get any better. Like, I didn't see any positives in my life or any new or any change. Because I, I was in college, and I had the epilepsy, and I was doing good in college. I was doing well. But it was all I could do to kind of be there, and I didn't see how blindness would help. <laughs> I wouldn't make anything right. easier or better. <laughs> So I thought, well, my goodness, like, this is it. Like, this is, you know, I'm kind of done. Um, and the only reason I stayed in college or, or even, like, really tried was just because I didn't want to be a burden on my family. Not that my family would ever think I would be a burden. It's right. just that, you know, you know, when you grow up with a disability, you know, like with epilepsy and all that, mm -hmm. um, if you have a supportive family, a loving family, you know, that, that's always behind you, become really close. And when you love someone, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't want to, you want to, you want to help them. You want to give them good things. You don't want to give them bad right. things. And yeah. And you don't want to feel like, like you're adding is, extra stress exactly. or anything on them. Yeah, and all of so that. I yes. thought, yeah. I thought, my goodness, if I can at least stay, you know, if I, if I could do college, if I could do this, I could get some kind of job and at least just, you know, you know, do kind of, kind of do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And maybe that thing isn't going to be very big. Maybe it's not going to be, you know, maybe it's nothing really, you know, but I'm not going to hurt anybody. You know, so, right. you know, because it just seemed like, you know, if it was a video game, it'd be like, oh, you know what, let's, let's just hit the do over, you know, or something because, yeah. you know, this is, <laughs> let's just get to the next game because this isn't working. Um, but, you know, you can't do that in life. And, and um, I was so fortunate that I had people that believed in me, even yes. when I totally did not believe in myself. I did not, even at my school, like the president of the Office of Disability. I went and told him I was going to have to leave school because the vision was going and I was already enrolled because of the epilepsy. I was like, well, Hey Ron, <laughs> his name is Ron. I say, hey, Ron, um, I guess, you know, I've got to, you know, I've just got, got this diagnosis. You know, I'm going to have to leave, you know, my vision is going. And he was like, well, John, don't be crazy. You don't have to go anywhere. You can literally right. do whatever you want. Like we, we've, that's what this whole program is for, you know, like, you know, dummy. Yeah. And I, I thought he was so nice to, to, to lie to me, you know, just to try to make me feel better on that day. But yeah. He was just being completely honest. You know, he was just, you know, he was being completely real, completely honest. And, um, you know, to have people around, like my family, my friends, people like that, my teachers, not, not, not all my teachers got it, but the ones that didn't get it, the ODA at least made sure that they um, weren't a problem. <laughs> right. They, they stepped in, they're like, well, this is what we're going to have to do to make it adaptive and blah, 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 you know? And, and so that, yeah. that was awesome. It's, it's so, nice to have people in your corner because I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people who have a disability, they're older or they, or they are in a, in a circumstance, maybe it's where they live or what, whatever is going on. 
you don't necessarily have someone that's fighting for you. And at that time, you really need someone there. Like you need someone that has your back. Having the supportive team around you of, you know, friends and family and, and mm -hmm. just uh, even like you said, with the teachers and everything, I, uh, this past weekend, one of my elementary school teachers uh, had a birthday. And so they did one of the uh, birthday parades for her, the car parade. So her daughter reached out to me. So I went to that. She was a librarian at my elementary school and, you know, being, yeah. So it's like keeping, having those connections and having that support system and staying in touch with, with those people uh, is definitely what, what helps to keep me going uh, for sure. And I, you know, I'm glad to say it as many chances as I get. Uh, you know, to tell everybody about it. Cause it's, it's, I tell people, I said, it's, it takes a lot to keep this old man together. Like it's not just me. I, I, <laughs> That's <laughs> takes awesome. a lot. Yeah, yeah. It takes a lot to put me together, but um, I wanted to ask about your um, growing up with epilepsy. Um, did you, did you find that uh, children were understanding or they kind of standoffish or what was your, what was your experience of, of making friends and uh, maintaining friendships uh, through your diagnosis? You know, um, it's funny with my family. Um, they, they never treat, treated me like I had a disability or anything, you know? So, so it was just like, I know, you know, I know I that very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, and sometimes it's hard, you know, so like, but it's, but there, especially like with the kidney thing and all this stuff going on and they had some neurological little things. And then with epilepsy, you know, there were times where I was just down for a week or two, and I was in the hospitals a lot, just a lot. And my friends just seemed like, I don't know, like, it was just the way it was. It was just like, well, sometimes John's in the hospital. And, and then in high school, I was, I was literally in the hospital or on homebound, you know, getting out of the hospital and transitioning back to school half the time. Like, I spent two years, you know, at home or in the hospital. And then, um, in my, in, but high school is a little easier because you, you go to different classes, you have different teachers every semester and different things like at the school I was going to. Mm -hmm. And, um, but people were surprisingly okay with it. Like they were, you know, they're like, you know, if they saw me, they were like, Hey John, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and, <laughs> um, and, you know, I had a few really good friends, but I had a lot, you know, I had, I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of people I knew, you know, and, and I had a lot of friends in the hospitals too that I hung out with. So it was, it right. was kinda, you know, it was kind of, kind of different, but, um, but I was fortunate in that way, I think, in that my my family never really thought of never thought of it as as like having a disability in a way. Like mm -hmm. they, we never treated it like that. And um, so like I, I took karate and um, um, got beat up a lot in karate. So <laughs> 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 I wasn't necessarily that good at it. <laughs> and I, um, I, I water skied, so I fell a lot. <laughs> oh, that's you awesome. Know, we, you know, we, we did we did things like that and. Um, and there's always kind of concern, like, oh, what if you have a seizure when you're out in the lake? But, you know, you're wearing a life vest and, you know, you always have people around. And, right. But it wasn't, it wasn't like, I, I don't know, I think, um, um, especially with the seizures getting worse and worse and worse, the prognosis for me wasn't very good either. And I think um, at that time in the, um, you know, it, it was the idea that like I was having some seizures, my breathing would stop and, and all that. And that's not a good thing. And, and there wasn't like a, we, you know, there wasn't a solution inside. Like the right. doctors were like, you know, like, well, we'll try another cocktail of drugs. We'll try this other thing. And, but that's all they kind of had to do. And they didn't, you know, we didn't really know. And that we're just running test after test. And um, so I think my parents wanted me to get the most out of everything, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, to live for the moment or in the moment, you know, to yes. really appreciate it. And 
um, not really live for the moment, you know, not like put your life on the hold, like, I'm just going to throw everything in the wind, caution to the wind, right. but like appreciate the time that you're there, you know, appreciate the yes. moment that you're living. Um, and that's something that painting forces you to do. Like you yeah. have to live brushstroke to brushstroke when you're painting. So it's such a great thing because my mind will ramble. I'm like, well, I just want to do a thousand things at once. <laughs> but, so it's nice to have something in your life where I, I paint hours and hours and hours and hours, seven days a week. And yeah. it forces me to actually be there and, you know, do that one brushstroke, then do the next. Hey, you know, there's something that you mentioned earlier and it made me want to say when, whenever you were talking um, you know, one of the hardest things I've noticed for, for people to do if they have a disability or, or if there's a challenge is to actually ask for help, you know, to be, to be their own ad advocate, yes. you know, to be able to go into college. Like I, I worked at the Office of Disability at that same college for a while while I was a student because they oh, were such great. a help to me. And when I learned how to use um, screen readers and note takers, like it's a note taker is a device for people who are blind, doesn't have a screen on it. You just have the keyboard mm -hmm. and it talks to you. I would go and take notes for people who couldn't take notes for themselves. You know, maybe they had a disability where they, they weren't able to write down the notes. So I would go in the class and I got to audit the class and I got to take notes. And Oh, wow. That was awesome. Cause I'm a huge nerd. So it was really cool being able to sit in other <laughs> classes and get paid for it. But, but the hardest thing was though, I, I noticed like from, from freshmen and different people in the workshops we do, we work with kids all over the country and, but for just being able to say like, you know, I can't do this right now or I need help or, you know, can I have assistance? That's the biggest hurdle. And once a yes. kid can do that, they can do anything. It's like, it's like you cross that hurdle. Suddenly it opens up an entire world. You know, when you right. say, Hey, can you give me a hand doing this? You know, right. cause you, it's actually a very strong thing to do. It's actually, you know, you're taking control of yourself. You're asking for help. You're making sure that you're okay. Yeah. And you can't help other people if you're not okay. You know, if you're, if yeah. you're, you know, so, I mean, it's one of the best things you can do. So well, I, anyway, I, I just, I, no, I just had this, uh, a very similar conversation with my mom. I think it was maybe last night or the night before, you know, I, I said, I, I love my independence, but I mm -hmm. also know what I can't do. <laughs> oh, that's, you know? see, that's brilliant. That's <laughs> it's like, I, that's I so love my independence learn. and it goes back to what you were saying. My parents and I have an older sister, uh, you know, they growing up in that household, they never made it seem like I had a disability. So when I started school and I have a very large family too. Um, mm. So when I started school and, and was around, you know, people who were strangers meeting me for the first time and it was like, Oh, what's wrong with you? And I'm looking at them like, I don't know, nothing's wrong with me because I was never told something was wrong with me. I was just told I have to do things differently. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, I think that, um, but I, I do, like now I, I've lived in my apartment now for four years on my own. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, I love my independence. I drive a car. Um, you know, I go everywhere. I travel and all of that. But I also know my limitations and I know you know, I'm not going to try to carry a box full of t-shirts into my house because I know I can't do it. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, all right, hey, mom, if you're going to be in the area, can you stop by and carry these shirts in? Or, you know, one of my neighbors, if they uh, see me coming in from the store, uh, you know, I, they if they catch me outside, you know, they'll, oh, oh, Arthur, wait, 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 we'll help you. I'm like, okay, I'll let you. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's brilliant, you know, and to be honest, I mean, I, th I think our whole perception of what, what, what it means to have a disability needs to change. You know, I mean, like from, from society standpoint, we only, we only have it so that we know like what, 
whenever we're building a building, how it should be built, you know, so, so it's accessible right. to people, you know, and that's kind of where the whole idea of disability sort of comes from. Like we need to make things accessible. But the funny thing though, is that the stuff that we make accessible, like, like curb cuts, that's great if you're in a wheelchair, but it's also great if you, you know, if you're a person that runs a lot and you sprained your leg and, you know, and you need to get up or if you're have a family with a stroller, you know, and you, yes. you're trying to get, you're trying to get up on the curb. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you have a dolly full of, you know, you know, boxes and you're trying to bring it into your store you know those little curb cuts are great easy yeah. open doors every door should be easy to open open you know a door has yes. one job it opens you know every door <laughs> should be open easily and like in, in in bathrooms having a bigger bath bathroom stall i've never yes. been in a bathroom and heard people complain about the stall being too big you know like too big this right bathroom is too big, you know? and, and the elevator an elevator is, is for people with disabilities really it's an accessible thing and yeah. I've never seen anybody stand in line for the stairs, you know, you right. know like, you know, you know, the stairs are open, you know, you know, but everybody wants to use the elevator. It's just things that we all use. And if we're fortunate enough to live long enough, we're all going to acquire disability of one sort or, or, or another. Yes. You know? There's yes. going to be something that we don't do as well that we used to, or we can't do anymore. Or, you know, it's just, it's just life. It's just life, you know? Yeah, I agree. It, it's really, um, the, like you said, the accessibility of, of things makes it easier for everybody. Uh, yeah. You know, no matter what your, uh, no, no matter what your disability may or may not be, or if you have, if you don't have one at all, it, it's the curb cutouts was a great example because they're perfect for a lot of things to help out yeah. a lot of different people. So I, I think we'll, that's, uh, yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like, you know, we, I don't know, there's, everything that we do that's to help for people with disabilities, it just seems to help everybody, you know, it yes. just makes life better, you know, all the way yeah. around. That's pretty cool. I know when we uh, first started talking, you mentioned that you, um, you like to draw when you were younger as well. Um, but then you didn't, is it that you didn't get into painting until after you uh, lost your vision or how did, how did that come to be? I, I didn't have the courage to try painting because I didn't think I'd be any good at it. But I did drawing, drafting, <laughs> illustration. Like I could draw before I could walk, I think. For some reason that clicked uh -huh. in my brain. And even like what if I was gonna write a story for English or something or or, um, or like for anything, I, I would draw it out first. Like it, it just makes sense to my brain. Like I've always had this sort of memory where I can remember what something looks like. And then, um, so I would draw cartoons. I, I did I did the blueprints for houses. I, I learned how to do every kind of drawing I could. Wow. <laughs> but I was like an armchair quarterback for, for painting. Like I would read about master painters, you know, Monet and Matisse and Picasso and all these different people and, and Van Gogh and, and how, and, and love them and would read about how they would set up their studios, what, what paints they would use and all this. But, um, but I didn't think I would be a good painter but then whenever my eyesight left, I couldn't draw anymore because I couldn't feel the pencils or the graphite or any of that. So it didn't, it didn't even occur to me to try that wow. there would be a way to do that. So mm -hmm. for the first year, like in, in go, growing up, art was my way of dealing with bad stuff. So if I was having health problems or anything, I would draw it out. You know, I had stacks of drawings and when they would get like too high, I would throw them away because mm -hmm. the, the benefit of it is the actual drawing. You know, it's not keeping it, it's the drawing. So, right. Yeah. And my mom would snag a few here and there, but otherwise they went in the trash. <laughs> and, um, you know, once, once a paper was filled up front, front and back, side to side, it wasn't any use to me anymore. And I would get a new piece of paper. And, um, but, yeah. but it wasn't until I started learning how to use a white cane and I, and it took about a year for me to, to learn how to travel from my apartment, which was really close to the university 
and travel independently and be able to find the university, um, you know, and then find the right building, the right class, and, and all that, you know, by, by myself. It would still leave me like I would, I would, I'd be in a cold sweat by the time I would get there because I was so new to it. It's like, oh my gosh, I got to cross the street now. You know, I'm like, wow. I remember the engine sounds and all these weird things you got to do. There's only two streets. It wasn't that big a deal. But at the time, it was like, holy moly. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> um, but, um, but I could do it. And I thought, I thought, well, good grief. If I could get across this town by basically using my sense of touch, to use a white cane, you're just using your sense of touch on the cane to be able mm-hmm. to feel the ground. And there's techniques you use to be able to guide your way and to be able to know where you are to orient, you know, and I thought if I could do that across the city, surely I could do it across something much smaller, you know, like a canvas, if I use the same techniques. Wow. So I started using paints to be able to draw with, you know, just to know like, well, I know where I am on this part of the canvas because I can feel it. And the more I would add to it. But when it first started though, it was um, very, very simple, like extremely ge- geometric. Um, you know, um, in giant thick lines and, and then using two colors and then three colors and painting 12, 14 hours a day. I, 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 I would paint 12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week. Cause I was still learning how to use the screen readers and Braille. So I wasn't, I was going to school and okay. I didn't have any homework because mm-hmm. I couldn't read anything yet, but I was sitting in the class, like, like a bump on a log, you know, and, and get it incomplete in the class. I was, I was afraid if I left school, I'd never go back. You know, it was like, Oh yeah. You know, you hear about people leaving school for, you know, good reasons. And then things happen and they never go. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I wasn't leaving. They, they were going to have to drag me out there. <laughs> but no, I just keep getting incomplete. So I, and then finally I made them up, you know, whenever I, um, so I made them all up later. Oh, great. Um, but, um, oh my goodness. But it was just learning how to use a cane. And I thought, man, if I can get across the city, surely you can get across the canvas. And I am. Um, I love that. I am so sorry to stop you. If I can get across the city, I can get across the canvas. That was, that's amazing. <laughs> oh my goodness. And it's so easy. I, I have taught hundreds and hundreds of visually impaired people how to paint. And, and it, we've, I, I, I um, I'm, I'm a cultural ambassador for the United States now, which is a crazy thing to say, but um, like, like we, we, we go to Brazil like we go to places and, we, and we'll teach um, mostly people who don't have disabilities things, but my favorite right. is always, you know, we're working with people with disabilities, and um, so we work with museums, and we'll, um, um, and I, but I've worked with so many people with visual impairments and taught them how to paint, because it's not hard, it's not, it's, you know, if you learn how to use a cane, you can paint, you can do it, you know. It's, yeah, and I, I think what, I think what you just said is, is very important, the, you know, you, you teach people without disabilities things, but you also are there to teach uh others who have disabilities, visual impairments, things. And I, I think that's one thing that um, is missing a lot of um, people with disabilities, you know, on TV and, and places like that. Uh, I became friends uh, in recent years with Allie Stroker. She won uh, the Tony Award for, she's a wheelchair user and she uh, won a Tony Award uh, last year, I believe it was. Wow. Uh, so just seeing you know, seeing her and I went, I went to New York to see the show and seeing how they used uh, her wheelchair as, you know, to, to incorporate into the choreography of the dancing and things like that. It was, it was really amazing to see how they, uh, you know, used that, uh, her disability diagnosis as part of uh, the actual piece of uh, uh, the story. And it, it just really was uh a great wow. thing to see because it's something that we don't see often. We don't see people, 
who look like us, you know, in, in prominent places on, like I said, on TV or, you know, in theater or places like that. So mm-hmm. the fact that you're using your, your gift and your talent to, uh, show people who have, you know, similar diagnosis to you, um, you know, that they can also do it. Like, I think that's, that's the really, uh, important piece there. Oh, and, uh, thank you, Arthur. Yeah. I think that's really, uh, I think that's really special and really important because we don't, um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm an African-American man. Um, you know, so I really don't see anybody that looks like me on TV or, you know, anywhere, <laughs> you know, wheelchair user or, or anything like that. So whenever I do see children, uh, you know, who happen to be African-American boys and wheelchair mm-hmm. users, it's like, Hey, you know, I like telling them my story and, and, um, you know, sharing with them like, Hey, yeah, you have to do things differently, but you can do it. You yeah. Know, you just yeah. have to. Yeah. And, and I, I, again, I love what you said. If you can get across, <laughs> if you can get across the city, you can get across <laughs> the campus, the campus. That's oh. great. Oh, but, man. uh, so, so a little more about your, um, your painting techniques. Uh, I saw, I, I watched your, uh, was a Ted talk video that I saw that you did. Um, I, I forget what you were showing, but it was something where you, I think you may may have used like a black light or something to show something that was on the canvas. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. No, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and then you said to the audience, can you see it? And they said, no, and you said, it's okay, I can't either. Um, I thought that was really... <laughs> I don't even remember that. That's, that's yeah. awful. I have a terrible memory. I thought um, that was really funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you said, oh, oh, it's okay if you can't see it. I can't either. And <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, um, yeah, I, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, one of the things uh, I wanted to ask about is the colors that you use. You know, a lot of your artwork um, is, you know, very, very vibrant colors. And how, how do you... Uh, determine the colors and I know you mentioned about learning braille and things like that so are your paints um, do they have braille on them and and how do you mix colors I think that's a very uh, interesting thing to uh this 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 this, I'm in a great spot to be able to answer this question because I'm in my studio so I just grabbed a tube of paint and uh, I'm going to hold it up to where I think the camera is yes so it's just braille I'm very lazy when it comes to brailing (laughs) <laughs> so I just, I just put the minimum that I need, but I, I just put like a, a few letters on here to, to, to let me know what paint I'm starting with. And let me, let me spin around real quick. Um, and then, and then, and then I have all these mediums. I have, you can't see over to the sides of me, but there's racks and racks of just paints and different things and, okay. uh, and mediums. So what, what a medium is, it's you, um, let me, let me put these down somewhere. I'm going to, I'm going to spill them all over this thing. Um, <laughs> But with the medium, it's a sticky part of paint, really. Like, you know, the color part is the pigment. The medium is, is what gives it its, its feel, like its looseness, its viscosity, okay. uh, its stickiness. So I, I can mix a white paint, like, to feel like toothpaste. So I can put a medium in it that makes it really thick or, or like, putty or, like, rock or whatever I want to mm-hmm. m- make it mix like. But, like, um, like, white paint, toothpaste is nice. And then for uh, black paint, I can make it, I can mix it, I can actually use this. And it'll, it'll make it feel like oil. Um, so they feel very different. So on my palette, oh, okay. if I have a really thick paint, a really thin paint, I know that really, really thin paint's got to be black. It can't be anything else. That's what it is. Um, so so that helps me keep them a track of them. And then um, it's so simple. It's just baby steps with all this stuff. It's just so simple. It really mm-hmm. is. 
And, um, um, and then if I want to mix for a gray between the two, I just mix for the texture between the two. So, so you know, I, I make it so that the paint is like about half as thick as it was for the white or twice as thick for the black. And I know that gray is right in the middle of those two. So it gives me a way to be able to control the color. And it may sound like a little, a little difficult, but it's really not. I, I, I've done workshops literally with tens of thousands of people around the uh -huh. nation. We're going to, we work with the Met, the Guggenheim, we work with museums all over the place. Most, most of the places I'm, I work with are usually smaller because we try to get into communities where you don't normally have arts and things. So we try to go right. to places where it's more fun because if you go to a place where there's not generally arts, everybody gets really excited. Everybody's really yeah. fun. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll blindfold everyone. And, and I'll give them paints that oh, feel like wow. the paints that I use. And I'll, I'll make raised line drawings for everybody. So it's a drawing that you can touch and feel. And I guarantee you, in five or ten minutes, everybody's painting. And it's sort of like cartoon-like painting. Yeah. But even without knowing special cane skills, you're able to feel the difference between the colors. And you're able to feel the lines that are put down. And then, and then there's a few little techniques to be able to like use your hands for your eyes, to be able to use one hand to feel where you're going and the other hand to put the paint down. And it's funny because most people want to tell them how I paint or, or like I paint four story murals. I, I painted 737. I painted all these different things. Wow. And people will say, will say like, well, that sounds crazy. And then we'll blindfold them. And then we'll, and then five minutes later, it's, it's almost always like, they'll go like, Oh, right. <laughs> <Now I> get... <laughs> it's, but it's so much fun. It's, I don't know. It's, I, um, I like to blindfold people and make them paint. <laughs> that's, that's my yeah. hobby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. Wow. It's, um, like I said, I've, I've been on your website. I follow you on Instagram. So I've seen all of your, uh, you know, all of your, your work and, and things like that. Um, do you have any favorite um, subjects to paint? Like I'm thinking like our animals or humans or scenery. Uh, Gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I love to paint all of that because I get bored painting one thing. Yeah. But, but the one constant with almost all of my paintings is that they're music paintings. Whenever I hear music, I see color. And yes. so in my studio, I have like a, Right, right behind you, well, behind you, right behind the camera over here <laughs> yeah. is, a, is, a, is a giant subwoofer. And then there's, there's these loudspeakers. It's sort of the setup for a small club. It's, it's you know, it, it can get bumping here if we, if we want. Right. But, but, but it's also so I can hear everything. So even if, you know, if it's, if it's classical music, but, or if it's if it, New Orleans jazz is some of my favorite. I love to wake up in the morning and play New Orleans jazz. And you've got, you know, it's just, it's so great. And then, by, by two or three in the morning, like if I start painting at seven in the morning, by uh -huh. two or three the next morning, I might be listening to like EDM or something, just something to keep me yeah. awake, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I try to make the music match the colors for the canvas. And that's one of the things I love. Like I, I did the 737 for um, the Rock and Rio concert. And one oh. of the things I really liked about that was that um, they didn't care that I had a visual impairment or anything about that. It wasn't anything about it. They were like, oh, you're a visual impairment? Oh, cool. Interesting. But the whole, the whole reason they wanted me was because when I hear music, I, I see color. And it was for the Rock and Rio concert, which is like the biggest concert in the world. There's right. a million people to go to it. And they wanted me to listen to all the music of, of like, you know, the the Lady Gaga, Bieber, all these different, not, not uh -huh. Bieber, Timberlake, all these different people. But it was cool, though, because they said you could do whatever you want on the plane. Just do whatever you want. And I thought, fine, that's, that sounds awesome. So um, 
but it was nice though to be able to take the music and turn it into color and put it on there yeah so they so you were painting as the concerts were going on kind of thing that well you know it was, it was before it and all because it was to okay. promote it was, it was to promote it and um, so it was, and, and now that plane's flying all over the Caribbean. I w wish I was with it. That would be so awesome. Right, I yeah. Just, <laughs> I wish I could just live on the plane. But one of the cool things, though, about it when it was done is that it was done for the airlines to help promote the, the concert. And the airlines fl flew us all around Brazil, which was really nice because, you know, it's the airline. You know, the, it doesn't cost right. them anything, you know, to have you on there. And, <laughs> and that was a lot of fun. But the pilot, like, told the people that, hey, the person who painted the plane is actually on here. And as everybody got off the plane, it was just high-fiving everybody as they, as they got off. And that was, oh, that's great. for me, that's one of my high moments in my life, I think. It's just like, you know, people are like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so great. Wow. I have to, I have to find that airplane now <laughs> and figure out how to get on it next, right? <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Let's, 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 let's just meet up in the Caribbean and we'll just fly around. That sounds, that sounds yes. like fun to me. <laughs> yeah, that, um, it, it's, it's great that you brought that up because I, um, in your TED talk, I also heard, uh, heard you say that when you hear music, you see colors. And I've heard that of, um, you know, a few different people, a lot of musicians I've heard say that before too. Um, is there is there a name for that or I've been interested in it and just mm -hmm. um what I've never known someone who <laughs> has oh, yeah, uh, been you know, able you know, to do it, that it's called synesthesia and okay and seeing um music for color or color for music is um is it's the most common form but there's all different kinds of synesthesia and all that is is when is when one sense is activated another sense is too there's like cross wiring in your brain or something. Uh -huh. And Lord knows my brain is cross wired, you know, like crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a miracle it works at all, is, is all I can say. But it's, but that's, I, I thought everybody saw color with, with music. And, and right. um, you know, until, you know, like, I, you know, at some point in my life, I was asking like my mom or somebody, hey, 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 can we, can we go back to that song with all the blue in it? And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> you lost your mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I have heard of it before, and I've, I've heard, like I said, musicians uh, say that, and, I, um, and then I've heard it's kind of, it's not the same, but it's similarly related to when you hear music and you get goosebumps, kind of, that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that type of situation, which I, I experience that. I love, as I mentioned before, I, I'm a huge Patti LaBelle fan, and um, as you said, drawing was your, your way of getting through things, uh, when you were younger, music is what did that and still does it for me. Um, oh, so I'm, yeah, so I'm, I'm missing, uh, the live concerts now <laughs> just mm. about more than anything, but, uh, you know, so it, it helps with, uh, the people doing their online, uh, concerts and they're reshowing a lot of concerts. So, uh, music has been my, uh, you know, my big release, I don't, I don't write, I don't sing or anything, but listening to it and just, uh, hearing the different, um, you know, the, the, you can tell with the different, uh, different instruments is the word I was looking for. I don't know why I just went blank with that, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, hearing, hearing the different instruments and the, uh, the different voices and, um, you know, like Patti LaBelle, I think she has one of the greatest voices and, uh, just oh, the yeah. emotion, just the emotion that people can show and uh, can let out through music, I think is uh, what has been very helpful 
to me and, and getting through a lot of uh, tough times and uh, rough, rough days that I, that I may have. Uh, like I said, when I was younger and even, uh, even till today, I, I still use music as a way to uh, get me through some things. So. <laughs> oh, it's, it's great for that, isn't it? And yeah, I, I agree. Patty, Patty LaBelle too. She's, she's awesome. She's, she's just brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the, the last question that I have is uh, besides painting, um, do you have any other ways of uh, creative expression? Um, you know, do you write or, or do you play an instrument or, or anything like that? Oh, uh, oh, um, I, I do write. I, I love to write. And um, okay. um, so I, I write quite a bit. And um, um, I used to write a lot, and and then um, and then whenever the eyesight went, um, I started painting before I could write because I like I started painting because I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't express myself any which way because I couldn't see the paper to write anymore. But right. the funny part, maybe maybe I have a dark sense of humor, but um, but I was an English major whenever I lost my eyesight, so I was going to all these creative writing classes and I couldn't read the stories and I couldn't write the stories. But I was there. I was like, yes, I'm a creative writing major, but I'm functionally illiterate for a while. So, but you know, I finally was able to. But that took much longer, though, honestly, because like the screen readers, they're brilliant. They're incredible. They're getting better all the all the time. But um, but especially back then, they were extremely robotic. So mm -hmm. if you were trying to write a creative story. Like, and it's like, you know, and the, and the woman says in a seductive whisper, you know, I love you. And then the, you know, I love you. And then, and then in the robotic voice, the woman says, I love you. And a seductive whisper, <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's really, it was really hard to write. So, um, so painting was my, my, my way of getting out of my own head at that point. Mm -hmm. And then now, now I can write creatively again, cause I don't even hear the robotic voices anymore, but. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, all the other voices in my head, I guess. <laughs> so yeah. I but I, and I, I wish I could play an instrument. I, I can play the ukulele a little bit. And the awesome. only reason I can play that is because no one ever asks you to play the ukulele. Like, if you go to the store, <laughs> they say, oh, can you play me something? And you can say, oh, I can play the ukulele. They're like, oh, cool, nice. <laughs> I, uh, growing up, I think... Um, my parents, they, you know, they were trying to find things for me to do uh, because I, I couldn't play sports and things like that, that other children my age were doing. Uh, you know, I wasn't on the soccer field or baseball field or football team. Um, so they tried every instrument possible to get me to play. And I just, as much as I love music, I couldn't like it. The only thing I liked uh, was the drums, mm. but I, but because my legs don't work, I couldn't use the kick drum. <laughs> so, oh. so, and, and I, I did, I took lessons. I went to like a, um, a music studio and took lessons for, uh, quite a while. Uh, but I just, I just couldn't get the, the kick drum thing going, but I, you know, at one point I learned the piano, I learned the guitar. Wow. Um, yeah. And, but it was, it was like, no, I don't want to, like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> but of course, I wanted, I wanted to play the most loud thing uh, that exists. I wanted to play the drums. Uh, my parents got me a drum set and everything. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, so. yeah. But it's, it's really, uh, you know, I, I was just interested in, in knowing if uh, you had other uh, ways of, you know, expressing your creativity. Uh, because usually, a lot of times you hear people, you know, that, that do one thing, they do uh, a few other few other things myself I, I write um 
I write poetry and I've kept mm. journals for, um, I've kept journals for 20 years now, probably. Wow. That's um, impressive. Yeah. So, um, when I, when I was 17, my dad passed away and, uh, Writing was my way of expressing expressing myself and, and my emotions. And uh, very similar to what you said about your drawings, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't about keeping them. It was just about getting it, getting it out, kind of. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was like the writing and then, um, you know, putting it in the journal and, you know, putting the journal away for a little bit. And then it was like, oh, I'm having this type of day and I want to write about it. So um, <laughs> that's one of the other things I started doing uh, while we were sheltering in places, organizing my journal writing and my poetry, mm. um, you know, to see, to putting it in categories of, of different things. And I've, you know, I've had multiple surgeries because of my disability. So, uh, you know, just happy times, not so happy times, medical things, and just organizing it all, trying to uh, create, create a, a book of some kind or multiple books of some kind, uh, you oh, know, just telling... Yeah, of just telling my story and, um, you know, it's, it's great also uh, sharing this podcast with guests like yourself because it does, um, you know, hearing your story, it brings up a lot of uh, similar things to me and it, it makes me, uh, you know, remember some things. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's great to, uh, you know, it's, it's great to hear other people's stories and, um, you know, oh, just yeah. share, yeah, just share our experiences because, you know, sometimes they're, they're similar and then other times they're, you know, they're different. So it, it's really great to uh, hear the different perspectives and. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, so. I, I, well, most of that, like I do a lot of shows, um, like we work with their different places and galleries and stuff and, and I'll do a show, but I always, always, always have a rule where if I do a show, we've got to do workshops and the workshops are always free. We don't charge anything mm-hmm. for workshops. And, and, um, and, and generally, I, I try to book all the workshops I can. So I know if a museum is bringing us in to do something, then I'll end up doing some workshops like with a nonprofit or charity there and, or, you know, the children's hospital or something. We'll start because I'm there and I hate to be bored. And the museum thing or the gallery or whatever we're doing, that's kind of work, you know, like I love it. and It's so much fun and I enjoy it. But the other, though, is just fun because I usually the workshops that I get to choose to do, I do it with people that have disabilities, so, right. so it's like, yes, I get, to, I get to go hang out with some people, and, you know, and, and that's, you know, and that's where, like, the last, you know, we're just laughing, we have a great time, it's just so much fun, and, and it's rewarding, because, you know, I mean, honestly, like, in, in my studio, I paint a lot, and it's so nice to be able to get out, and just actually be able to talk to people, and, 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 and to talk to people that get you, and understand, right. you know, so whenever, whenever you say, oh, you know, I had a bad day that day or something, you know, they don't think like, oh, you're weak or you're whatever this, or they have all these ideas, you know, they completely understand what, you know, where you're coming from and all that. Right. You know, and it's just like, for me, it's like hitting a reset button. It's like, oh, that's so nice. Like, you know, I can, I can be around <laughs> some people that, you know, and it doesn't matter where I am, you know, I mean, you know, you know, I feel, I feel like, I feel like I'm in my hometown, you know, and it's just, right. It's just <laughs> awesome. So I don't know. It's, it's funny because like, we'll, we'll, we'll do, it's a pretty, common like to do a gig like where we go in and maybe there's like I have one one talk for an hour and then I have like one show thing and it's like maybe two hours Mm -hmm. or maybe one hour a day and I'm going to be there for four or five days and then so we'll end up getting six or seven other events each day you know that we're doing (laughs) just just because you were like well and and they're like are you sure you want to you know like yeah what are we gonna do just sit in the hotel (laughs) 
Yeah. It's so boring. <laughs> and just to be around, be out and around people. And yeah, uh, yeah it's really uh, definitely very, very helpful for sure. Yeah, got to get it in when you can, because then you go back to the studio and you're like, yep, <laughs> I'm back <Right>. here now. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> and you know, like you never know, like this whole pandemic thing, you're just like, well, I guess I guess I'm going to be here for, you know, months and months and months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you don't know what, what's coming next. It's uh my really guide dog. Oh, bless her heart. Oh my goodness. She's used <laughs> to getting out all the time. And then every once in a while, I'll walk by the front door and I can hear her get excited. Like, are we actually going to leave? <laughs> I'm, right. like, I'm sorry, sweetheart. <laughs> right. Can yeah, we go not, out now? Not today. <laughs> maybe, maybe July, maybe, or maybe, maybe yes. August. <laughs> yes. July and August, I think uh, we'll be able to move about more freely. I think a little bit. <laughs> Wow, but this this conversation has been really, really great. Um, is there anything that you would like to, any topic that you would like to touch on or oh. questions that you would like to ask or? You know, um, Arthur, you know, um, whenever whenever I, I talk like this, I always, always kind of worry about, like I always, always worry that I'm gonna sound like I'm just full of myself and maybe I am, but no. I, I don't know. I, I feel so, 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 so strongly about, people who do have a disability or, or something, you know, going out and just talking, you know, and just being there. And cause I know, I know whenever I was first dealing with it, I felt so isolated and so alone and just hearing stories about people, you know, that we're doing, going through something completely different than what I was going through, but just hearing that they went through it. And then right. there was some sort of light on the end of the tunnel was awesome. And if I could give just one word of encouragement to anybody um, is to just not, judge yourself just give yourself a little freedom you know when I first started painting I thought I was completely out of my mind I didn't know of any other visually impaired painters this was like back in 2002 there was mm -hmm. a guy in Turkey that was painting but this was a long time I didn't know about any visually impaired painters out there so I thought I was nuts but I just thought I was losing my mind so I needed to try something and but I made a rule for myself that I couldn't judge anything that I painted for a year I couldn't decide if it was bad if it was good it didn't matter the only thing that mattered was me just doing it, trying it. Yeah. And I was also at a very depressed time when I didn't think I could change anything. So I thought, you know, what's a year? I'm going to school, getting incompletes on everything right now, but I'm going to school. <laughs> I'll just try painting. And at the end of the year, I'll look at it and decide if, if I was progressing at it or not. You know, but I didn't think anybody would ever want to see a painting of mine. It wasn't a thought in my head that anybody would ever want to see it. I didn't think I would want to see it, you know, to be yeah. completely honest. <laughs> But that, that was the nicest thing I did was just say not, not to judge myself. And it gave me the freedom to be able to fail because you, you have to fail. You have to fail a lot. Yeah. And if you're not failing, yeah. you're probably not trying enough new things, you know? Yeah, <laughs> true. So, I mean, <laughs> let yourself fail. I mean, go out there and fail, you know, and fail dramatically, you know, <laughs> really, right. really make some big mistakes. <laughs> and do it and, in um, a great way, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you learn from it eventually you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's the one or two things that you can do right that that's what people are going to remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's pretty much the uh, same stance that I took with uh, starting this podcast. Mm. You know, it was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I, I know what my goal is. I know the audience I want to reach. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so it was just, it was exactly what you said. Just do it, just start it. And, you know, don't judge myself about it. Just, you know, put it out there. And it's, um, 
it, it's a great thing and I'm, I'm really uh, getting a chance to connect with uh, great people like yourself and oh, thank you, um, yeah. And I, I really do. Um, you know, I really appreciate your, your time that you've taken out and um, I, I will be uh, definitely I'll, I'll be uh, marketing this, podcast episode and driving people to your website to buy your work oh, it's well, just yeah well, well man i want i want to return the favor please um, i i want to i want to send everybody your podcast i think i think what you're doing is incredibly important and i think you're doing it in such a fun optimistic way too that that's also equally as important right now you know i mean yes you know you, you, it's I, I think I, I would love to be able to just share that on the on the social on the socials on the media yeah. the social media and, yeah. <laughs> and try to send some people over the podcast I, I think yeah and I definitely um you know and, and what I had mentioned to you before was that um that was that that's one of my whole goals in creating the our view uh company is to change the tone of conversation you know we can talk about our disabilities we can talk about our diagnosis we can talk about how challenging it has been but then we can also flip that and say yeah i had all this going on but i'm able to do this and i was able to accomplish these things and um you know and i'm still doing great work like you know you you painted an airplane <laughs> you're doing wow. this you know you're doing a big mural now and you've done murals in the past and it's just um it's, you know just to to get never know. that part <laughs> yeah right and to get that part of the story out there though is I think what's missing a lot of times when you hear about people with disabilities, um, you know, yeah. you hear, you hear so much of the downside of it, but not the, the upside of it. Um, and not everybody has too many upsides and, and too many happy things going on. But uh, I, I think everybody has uh, a story to tell and a story to share that can uh, benefit somebody out there. And, um, you know, as you mentioned before, the, uh, you know, you having a visual impairment and working with people with visual impairments, teaching them how to paint is, it's, it's a great, you know, it's a great thing because, you know, who better to learn from than someone who has, uh, has vision loss as, as they do. So it's really, uh, you know, definitely important the work that you're doing. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to uh, have, shared this time with you and glad to have connected with you and, and we'll definitely be in touch. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you so much, Arthur. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and best of luck with the podcast, man. What you're doing is brilliant. And, thank um, you. and if I can ever do anything for you in the future, man, please re reach out. Cause you know, I'm just yes. sitting around the studio painting. <laughs> yes. And I, I have family in Texas. I'm not sure where they are located, but if I ever make oh. my way there, <laughs> oh yeah, you man! Know. Please, um, you know, you know, Denton, the, the the town that I live in, um, we we have the number one jazz college in the world is here. So there's lots oh, wow. of live music. It's not just jazz; it's like jazz, funk, blues, everything. Yeah. You know, it's all. I mean, it's not that big of a town, but it's just that it has that college. So it's like you know, and then Austin is the number one live performing um, city. Yes. I think. So that's four hours away, but, but, but Denton in the state is like the, the number two one. It's, it's crazy. Oh, wow. So you like live music right now. There's no live music. Right. <laughs> yes. But once, down, but. but once it's back up and running, I will yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. have to make my way there and I will let you know about it for sure. Heck yeah. That sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. But we, uh, this, this conversation has, has been great. Yeah. You know, I think it's really important that we, um, as 
people who have disabilities, I think it's important that we, you know, support each other as best as we can and, uh, you know, just really encourage each other. And um, so I've, I've really been encouraged by this conversation. And I, um, again, I appreciate you and appreciate your time. <laughs> so, Thank you, Arthur. Uh, Same here. I, I, I appreciate you reaching out. It's been a lot of fun. Yes. So, but you have a, have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your day and um, enjoy the weekend and all of that coming up soon. You too. I think. You too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, eventually, yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. You lose track of what days it is, don't you? It's crazy. Right. <laughs> have, a, yes. have, have a great week though. <laughs> oh, thank you. And you have a great, have a great week and I will uh, be in touch. Okay. Okay. Bye. Great. Thank you. Bye. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Our View podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Our View podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. New episodes will be released on the 15th and 30th of every month. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four, L-I-F-E. Do you want to help change the tone of conversation among your family and friends? head over to our website for some Our View merchandise. Our website is www.our-view.com forward slash merchandise. I thank you for listening. Have a great day and take care.